0: Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the Internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now.
1: From the boardroom to the Metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of the Metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing Metaverse stories and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this amazing space. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in every week. This is episode 17. If you haven't yet, share the Meta Business podcast with a friend, send it to your colleagues leave a review on spotify or apple podcasts or wherever you get it and make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button uh guys because this is how more people discover the podcast jeff how you doing this week
0: i'm doing good it's like uh the weather here in new york seems to be getting nicer finally so like i've been able to get (laughs) out go for some walks uh which is nice
1: none of it matters Um, in the metaverse it's always nice
0: There'll be weather in the metaverse. I mean, you got to break up the seasons. Nobody wants to live in in San, virtual San Diego where it's just nice out all the time.
1: <laughs> Do you actually think there's going to be weather in the metaverse? The metaverse?
0: I think there will be weather in the metaverse. That would be ridiculous. There'll be, there'll be weather, there'll be night, there'll be day. Otherwise, it's just it's just too bland. I to think you weather. could have
1: different zones, right? You can go to a place to go skiing in the metaverse, but why would it snow? In like, just randomly in, in a place where, you know, there no, I like s-
0: that. It's, I don't know. It's just creating variability. I think <laughs> if the world becomes too steamy, like if you, if it's just too bland, there's nothing to it. I think you want, you know, some crazy, this is,
1: this is one area where uh, we will have to disagree because that's one area where I don't want to see the metaverse, uh, you know, uh, follow our real life, uh, universe. And, uh, I just, I don't think there's a place for the weather network inside the metaverse. I just <laughs> someone some describe. executive as the weather network is listening to this, you know, mad that they're all their metaverse plans. I just poo-pooed them, but, um, I probably would be, I, you know, like I agree. I know there's a lot of people who would agree with you, so, uh, we will have to see. Um, we do have a lot of news this week. I want to get to it cause there's some really fun stories. Um, and I want to start Jeff, with um, Yuga Labs. So Yuga Labs in the news, and let me just uh, put the, the story here up on screen. The headline from the Defiant here is, Yuga Labs' acquisition of Crypto CryptoPunks IP sends bored apes soaring. The, the, sub, the first line here says, It's not every day that the hottest two projects in an explosive asset class merge. That's what happened on March 11 when Yuga Labs, the company behind Bored Apes Yacht Club, uh, announced the acquisition of the IP rights of CryptoPunks. The market responded uh, dramatically, as you'd expect. Bored Ape's floor jumped 18% to almost 90 Ethereum. Punks is down 6% to 72 Ethereum. Um,
0: Before we go just, on, why, I, yeah. I'm a little confused. Why would the Punks be down if Bored Ape acquired Punks? Wouldn't you think Punks would go up? Particularly because Bored Ape's... I as far as I know, is the bigger brand, more well-known. Like, I would have thought you'd get the halo effect where people would be saying, like, wow, this is going to be so great for crypto punk. Let me go out and buy them. I, think, um, I don't
1: know. Maybe. I mean, just one one point of correction. According to this article, at least, um, Bored Apes actually has the second largest sales volume of all time at $1.4 billion. CryptoPunks has actually sold more at 2.1 billion. So while Bored Apes may be the more well-known brand, and even that, you know, I'm sure we'll get we'd get a lot of pushback from our listeners. Um CryptoPunks is clearly outsold. Um maybe it maybe, you know, the Crypto Punks community doesn't want to be part of the Bored Apes community, right? There's a little bit of like, if we're not going to be independent, I'm going to sell, or if we're, you know we don't want them in our backyard or you know uh, managing our house i i could see a little bit of that right uh it is unusual though cuz usually in if, if it was one company acquiring another you're right like usually the value of the acquired stock would go up um 6% is also relatively you know minor in the grand scheme of things here so we'll see what it does over time but um yeah uh, I'm curious just to get your thoughts besides that on this in terms of, uh, you know, seeing these two projects merge and come together. What's, what's the reaction? Well,
0: it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm definitely pretty surprised. You usually don't see consolidation in an industry that's this nascent when there's this much growth. Usually you see consolidation when you have markets that are mature and of market share has very much solidified and you have, companies going to do acquisitions to kind of cut out synergies and and maybe you know squeeze out costs uh, typically that's where you see acquisitions i think kind of across the market landscape so it is interesting these two arguably two of the biggest most well-known brands kind of in this space uh, whatever you're struggling to think of what you even want to call this space like the nft avatar branding yeah. ip space coming together um, it's a, it's a bit surprising. It's interesting to see kind of in the context of some of the other news that we'll probably get into, um, in terms of what Yugo labs has planned. Um, so maybe we want to talk about that.
1: Yeah, but, I, but just before we get to that, I want to mention, and this is another call it if we're comparing mergers of NFT projects to mergers of traditional companies, another thing that stands out as unusual to me and, and it, I'll, I'll read directly from the article here. It says, uh, Indeed, Larva Labs. So this is the the owners of the, the parent, I guess, of CryptoPunks. Larva Labs itself tweeted that the company was ill-equipped to continue to grow CryptoPunks and Mebits at this stage in the project's maturity. Right? Like it, it, we talked on on our sister podcast, right, on Business of Esports, about uh, Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. It wasn't like Activision Blizzard came out and said, you know what? We know we're not like really well equipped to grow beyond this stage, so we need Microsoft. It's a remarkable amount of like uh, self awareness, almost uh, to a point that you don't see it. Um, mm-hmm. And and, and uh, apparently, Yuga Labs is going to loosen CryptoPunk's restrictive IP, so that in some ways I think is something the community has been asking for. Um, does any of this change your mind or, or initial opinion, I guess, before I, I jump no, into the I other think, stuff? Uh,
0: you know, I, I think it is interesting that that they would have that kind of humility, particularly for a project that's been wildly successful. We said it was it two point one billion. billion. Yeah, two point one yeah. billion in, in sort of GMV. I mean, that's that's not two guys in a room creating a business plan. Like that that's a massively successful um, you know, IP watch. So yeah, I'm 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 surprised that they would say that you probably wouldn't hear that, like you said, from a company kind of in the public markets who maybe had more fiduciary duty or just corporate governance. But it is, I appreciate the the sort of humility and and honesty to kind of say that.
1: Yeah, uh, and in some ways, you know, we you see this in other metaverse contexts where uh, with gaming companies with with you know a blockchain based gaming companies with that, with any of these sort of entities under the metaverse umbrella, I've always had this feeling that there's a lot of relatively inexperienced teams. To me, it's amazing to see a team, you know, essentially generate 2 billion in sales and say, Hey, we don't think we can take this any further. Um, it is quite remarkable. Now, the second story related to this, which is interesting, the headline here leaked Yuga labs, pitch deck outdated and old. And this is in quotes. They say, leaked earlier today, a pitch deck that was allegedly shared by Yuga Labs to potential investors has been deemed outdated and was old by some Bored Ape founding members per an announcement in the Bored Ape Yacht Club Discord. The leak comes after last week's wild news, which saw the brand acquire the IP of CryptoPunks and MeBits. Now, allegedly, the deck revealed that Yuga Labs is planning to generate net revenue of $455 million in this year, 2022, and it's said to contain their 2022 roadmap with uh projections for their upcoming metaverse initiative as well as a planned token drop and uh a virtual land sale uh which we can talk about that the the, the, the expected sale they were supposed to sell 200,000 plots to raise 178 million dollars um the document also has a valuation for the brand. And it's in the $5 billion range. And does this, now that sort of, this is leaked and yes, the, the board eight yacht club has come out and said, this is old and outdated, but they also didn't say we didn't write this. Right. So at some point it was up to date at some point, this was their thinking. Um Curious your thoughts on that. Jeff.
0: Well, there's a lot to unpack. I guess we can go yeah. through it. Maybe, maybe- Piece by piece. I mean, first, I'm very impressed with the net revenue, obviously. I mean, scaling to $450 million in 2022. Um, you know, that's in the context of, you know, like I, I remember when I used to cover Glue Mobile as a public company, you know, they, that was their revenue. So we're talking about large scale organ- like mobile gaming organizations doing the same amount of revenue. And I, I like that that kind of leaked because if we had been talking about this story and they'd just thrown out, $5 billion valuation without any other context, I, I think you and I would have been like, oh, that's ridiculous. But when you put it in the context of almost $500 million in revenue next year, it, it's still a really high multiple. But at the same time, it doesn't seem outrageous when you kind of put it in context. Um, maybe you'll, you'll disagree with that. Uh, no, no, here, here. It's not crazy.
1: It's not crazy. Here, here, we'll, we'll do this. Here's the tinfoil hat question, right? Which is... Um this outdated version of the deck the current version does it have a number bigger or smaller than 455 million
0: I think it's got to be ooh that's an interesting one because I guess volumes have probably slowed when you're doing this with this acquisition maybe the combined number I would assume should or better be higher um that's a good that's a good question what do you because what, they also I, came I, out you think?
1: and said this is old and outdated which makes me believe the, the the real number is higher right otherwise you would probably be like yeah that's cool guys like believe what's in that deck right
0: well <laughs> i don't know i'm just thinking more like you know it seems hasn't the whole NFT market like kind of the, the volumes have dried up or not dried up but but have normalized relative to you know what i think was happening four or five months ago um
1: yeah summer- i mean the, 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 the a lot of this revenue, so like half of it or a little less than half of it, is coming from these virtual land sales, right? If anything, though, that gave me less confidence in the story because I'm, I'm starting to wonder, maybe in the same way NFTs in the beginning, it wasn't clear the utility, right? What is the utility of all of these virtual land sales at this point? Like, we're selling a lot of virtual land, but to what end,
0: I 100% agree, and, and and it's to your point, it is a lot of virtual land. It's not like they're selling 15 plots, they're selling 200,000 plots, right? So yeah. effectively, the way I always think about this sort of virtual land, and maybe this isn't the right way to think about it, but I almost think about it like the metaverse is an app store, and then each, each piece of virtual land is almost like an app in the Apple app store. And, and maybe that analogy is just terrible, maybe it's not, I'm not sure. But that's sort of the way I always think about it. And so if you kind of go forward with that analogy, there's a ton of apps on the Apple App Store that get almost no download. And I think that's what's going to happen with these land sales. No one is going to come into... I don't even know what metaverse this is in. I guess they're going to create their own sort of metaverse that people can interact with. Um, But nobody's going to come in and go into 200,000 different pieces of land, plots of land within their metaverse. So, it, it's going to be the distribution, as always, will we'll have massive fat tails, right? So, the top 5% of land plots will probably get 90% of the usage. So, anyone buying one of these, like you have to be confident you're going to build something that's going to be the best of the best on this. And then you also have to hope that this metaverse becomes one of, and I, I think. We probably agree, at least for the time being, there will be many of these various metaverses that are fairly popular, but you have to believe that this will be one of the winners. And now we're seeing there's hundreds of these metaverses popping up. So not only to be in one of the winning metaverses, you have to be winning one of the winning land plots in the winning metaverse. It's a, it's a tough game. Like, it's there will a be a game. lot of money burned here.
1: Uh, I mean, the last thing it mentions is it says not only was Yuga planning on selling virtual land but there were plans to release a gaming focused metaverse. I mean this that whole phrase is, I hated because it's like every metaverse is gaming focused, right? The metaverse is basically the gamification of everything, right? Of, 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 of everything we do. Um it, it just it feels without having seen the deck that it's a lot of like lip service but everything's sort of half baked, right? you've got this core IP and this core asset here, which has generated all the revenue, right? The, the, the board apes and, in and, and crypto punks, which they're acquiring. And now it's all, now it's like, well, how do we, how do we drive growth? And so it's well, virtual land and games. And then, and, but like, how does that tie back to your initial, the, the IP that you've uh, acquired and the IP you've built is not clear to me, right? Like. A board ape game um says nothing to me at least, right? Like I, right. I, I don't know. That and, doesn't
0: and another thing about this, and I think this is where you're what you're driving towards, it's like it feels like these people are coming to hap to, to gaming very haphazardly, where it's like, oh, we've got this cool IP, we've got this, you know following let's just make a game as if it's like that's the easy part no that's the incredibly hard part like you can't just think well we've got let's just throw a game mechanic on top of this and build a quote-unquote metaverse like what like that is that is incredibly hard and they're making it seem like that's just the easy part
1: so true but it's especially funny because they just spent i feel like at least a couple years convincing everyone that these nfts were art right and it's like buying art I mean, I don't see the, the art gallery here or across the street from me going like, Hey, we're going to open an amusement park too. Like, (laughs) uh, it just, it it doesn't translate for me. And I don't know if there's enough enough depth in the IP, right? It's not like board apes are Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, right? Like it's, it is art. I'm not debating that. I don't want anyone to be angry and send me angry messages. It's art, but it's, that's about all it is, right? There's, there's no, we don't have any lore. We don't know where the bo- the board apes, you know, came from, or <laughs> there's no, there's nothing around it to build a game off of. And so uh, I agree the, the it's, it's a little flippant to just be like, yeah, we're going to build a game and uh, you know, it's all going to be good. Um, so uh, interesting one to follow and watch. I think, um, we'll, we'll have to see how that acquisition ends up. I, I think worth discussing in the context though of that acquisition and you alluded to this jeff is this article from forbes and you know obviously never like seeing headlines like this but this headline was interest in nfts in the metaverse is falling fast um you know i think it's a little misleading because i actually believe it's really much more focused on interest in nfts because the, the principles of the metaverse are still very much front and center but If you look at some of the the charts here, it says interest in some of these terms peaked when Facebook changed their name, uh, started evangelizing. Uh, NFTs peaked at the end of January and have been dropping since then. Um, You know, there's some comments that, you know, the Russian invasion caused the drop. People are liquidating their assets right They're They're trying to have cash or things like that. But it's been a pretty smooth decline. if you're listening, obviously, you can't see the chart. If you're watching this, you can see the chart here. Pretty smooth decline over time. Um, nothing precipitous, but a pretty smooth decline.
0: So I, have a, I mean, I have a lot of lot of sort of thoughts on this. Yeah, I think this is a classic example of you know a, a games industry journalist and a very good one at that. You know, I think Paul is very well respected in the kind of RPG looter shooter. Gaming kind of press community, but taking a preconceived notion and sort of molding data to find the narrative that they want to find. Um, I think there's a lot of problems with using Google Trends to sort of have this kind of narrative. Um, you know, Google Trends are, are are very good at kind of comparing different things at different times, but you know, I, I don't think that's the this is the perfect way to look at it. I would be looking more at, you know, VC funding, which we've seen a ton of VC funding come into the space that's way more forward looking. I think yep. we've seen a ton of developers just moving from web two companies to web three companies. That's also very forward looking. Um, you know, this is something we talked about on last episode, how you know it takes a long time to build a game. So I think we we're at a point in the hype cycle where a lot of capital is falling into the space, a lot of talent is flowing into the space the games are going to come um you know so I, I i don't necessarily agree with with sort of the premise of this uh of this article
1: uh, Jeff, i'm so Actually, glad you before, said that before you got before yeah.
0: it i saw someone responded with a tweet to this guy where it shows if you do google trends for just the word gaming you see yeah. a very similar like the, <laughs> yes. the trend line is down yeah. it's like it yeah. in like 2014 so yeah. it's like it's just not a good way to look at these things
1: I'm so glad you said that. I, I mean, I was hoping I wasn't going to have to disagree with you on this one. It like, the term is not what matters. It's the business that matters, right? The, in, the the success of the industry that matters. A word becomes popular, obviously peaks in popularity unless people are Googling it and searching it. It doesn't mean that the dollars aren't being made, dollars aren't being invested, and, you know, dollars aren't being extracted from uh, efforts within that industry. Like uh, to me, this is the worst, the absolute worst analogy to use to try and draw conclusions about the health of an industry because it says nothing, right? This, this is, it's about how many Google searches did people do. And it could be that, uh, forget about the meta announcement, it could have been that Ninja went on Ellen, a bunch of people Googled gaming, right? To your point. So you have this huge spike and then it goes back to normal and you go, well, gaming's on the decline. Well, no. Like, Right, look at
0: player bases, uh, look at, you know,
1: revenues, look at. It's just not a good metric. And it's a, I think, remarkably tone deaf kind of article. It's an article that's extremely misleading. And I, I sort of hate seeing it, right? Like we can be critical of, of bored apes trying to extend into gaming and things like that. But like saying interest here is falling fast is, is like alarmist for no reason and just blatantly wrong, like just blatantly, blatantly wrong. Uh, I mean, all he, all Paul Tassi has to do is walk around Silicon Valley for a day or two and, and look how many dollars, how many billions are, are being focused there. Um, that's not going away fast, right? Like when you, when you have billions and billions of dollars being invested in an industry, it doesn't just disappear overnight, right? This, we're going to see these companies building over the next five to 10 years with just the capital that's been put in to date um no the, it's definitely not going anywhere fast um so here's the the good counter to this right like um you have maybe one of the the you know the smartest guys in all of entertainment uh Bob Iger so this is a, an article from deadline.com Bob Iger makes post Disney foray investing in metaverse firm Genies and joining Avatar Maker's board so Bob Iger, former, uh, former CEO at Disney, he's joining the board of this avatar technology company, genies, and he's making a personal investment in the company. Um, he left Disney last December. Uh, he's the, this company evidently has a pretty good board, Mary Meeker, uh, Rick Yang from NEA and the co-founders. And the idea is he's going to help genies navigate its mission to empower humans to create their own avatar ecosystems in web three. So I want to say we saw, what was the name of the other company that we talked about that was doing this ready player me or something like that. Right. Um, We don't know how much this company raised genies, but this is the second one. Now I've seen dedicated to sort of avatars, right? Like this is what you're going to use to create dress up, customize your avatar and then that avatar somehow is going to be transportable uh i think is sort of the pitch of all of these what do you make of bob Iger's foray into the metaverse what do you make of sort of this being his first sort of salvo
0: i think it's super interesting in in the context of what i think we we know about bob Iger historically where at least as, as i understand from an outsider's perspective Historically, Bob Iger was was never very bullish on Disney being heavily involved in gaming. Uh, obviously, under his leadership, they they sold off their gaming assets and kind of outsourced everything to third parties. Um, and, I, and I think that was you know probably a foolish decision in, in, in hindsight, and I've kind of argued that for for a while. So it's interesting now for him to leave Disney and and kind of be immediately investing his time and his capital into the gaming space, or at least the metaverse. And so the question I have that I, that I actually, you know, I, I posed on Twitter is, is this Bob Iger changing his opinion on gaming or is he viewing the metaverse as something bigger than gaming and not really equating the two or, or maybe it's just both. Uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that question.
1: It's a good question. I mean, I, I think we have to give a guy like Bob Iger the benefit of the doubt, right? That he understands that these avatars are tied to gaming in a, in a pretty fundamental way, right? That that they will have to be used for the most in some kind of gaming context. It's, it's sort of impossible to have a business like this and not talk or touch on gaming, right? Even in this company's pitch deck, I'm assuming they would have pitched something around gaming as part of their business plan. And so I don't think we can say, well, Bob Iger's just like, He's seeing this as something totally different and you know, he's still bearish on gaming for sure. Like I think clearly his mind has changed. Uh, if historically the view was he doesn't like gaming or he's not bullish on gaming. Um I
0: guess to be fair, I don't want to put words in his mouth. It could have always been, you know, he likes gaming but didn't think Disney had a competitive advantage. So I guess we'll be fair. Somewhat fair to him.
1: (laughs) I'll take the flip side and go, a guy like Bob Iger, right, post Disney again, one of the most powerful people in all of entertainment could have chosen to do anything, right. Put his money, which, you know, he has tremendous wealth, his time, which, you know, post Disney, arguably he probably has more of could have allocated that anywhere, right. The fact that he's chosen to allocate it here, I think is telling. Now I don't know Genie's business. I don't know how I can't comment on how, you know, bullish or bearish I personally am, but to me, there is a signal here that is that can be applied to the industry at a whole when a guy like Bob Iger puts his time and, more importantly, his money to work and says, you know, this is the first thing I'm going to do post-Disney. Um, so whether he buys into the—like, clearly he has bought into gaming. I think it's impossible to argue that he hasn't, but clearly buys into the sort of that metaverse future, which, you know, makes this article uh, around, you know, the, the one we just talked about— even more kind of ridiculous in this context.
0: A hundred percent, and and good for these guys at uh, at Genies. I mean, talk about a their their board is was already stacked. But talk about getting, you know, an absolute hitter. Like like you said, this he could you know spend his capital and, and you know his time anywhere. He could have joined the board of Epic or really pick a company. I'm sure you could literally have him at any company he wanted to be. So to to kind of jump on board. A company that i personally hadn't heard of prior is is you know kudos to kudos to them obviously
1: here's the question for you on the company specifically jeff is th- this i don't even know what we call them avatar makers like what's the category subcategory right is that a
0: metaverse fashion
1: is this a winner take all market because it's not just metaverse fashion it's like this is your one-stop shop for an avatar right that's the idea and your avatar is you and so, like, you probably shouldn't have, like, there's not more than one you. And and so, like, once you've made an avatar with one of these platforms, if they ha- all are connected into the same places, why would you need the other platform?
0: I agree. I mean, I think when you put it that way, it it probably is winner take all And I think when we did the Ready Player Me story, you know, you talked a lot about sort of the technology and the standards and how it wouldn't be a, a, a private company or anything like that. It would be sort of a set of developed standards. Um, I wonder if, A, you still believe that. And th- that's one of the things I love about this podcast is we come back to like recurring themes and our and our opinions do often change, which I think is, is healthy. So,
1: um, no, I I, I actually, I, you know, I asked a bit of a, 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 I think a trick question in the sense that I actually don't think it's a winner take all market because I do think, still believe that it's going to be some set of agreed upon standards that multiple companies will all implement. All right. And maybe I go with genies because they, their avatars adhere to those standards, right? They're all compliant. That allows me to be that avatar to be portable, but they have a better selection of shoes. Right. And I like, I like messing with my shoes on my avatar and genies has, you know, deals with Gucci and, uh, you know, Louboutin. And and so I want to, I make my avatar on genies because those, that's where I get the cosmetics that I like. I think that's going to be the differentiating factor. That's how these platforms are going to compete. It's with deals outside of metaverse companies, right? Uh, and the meta, the, the, the plugs into the metaverse will all be standardized, hopefully. I know you liked that I threw a Gucci shoe reference in there.
0: I didn't even you pronounced that that one French word. <laughs> I don't even know what you said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh let's
1: great, finish with,
0: great perfect perfect pronunciation.
1: Let's finish with a story from Gamesbeat here, Jeff. Uh, this is Adobe in, in the Metaverse News. And the headline, Adobe stakes its claim in the metaverse with AR slash VR tools. Um So this, this story talks about Adobe says, believes the metaverse is going to blur the distinction between the digital world and the physical world. And it wants to provide the tools to enable that. That was one of their big messages from their Adobe summit. Um, It says uh, Adobe sees metaverses or virtual worlds and other immersive experiences as the new wave of digital interaction. And so their tools include like 3d and immersive collaborative content creation products, such as Adobe Substance 3D and Adobe Aero, and they want those products to be sort of the fuel of this metaverse, right? It's like 3D modeling kind of uh, products um, to make 3D creation and sharing easier is, again, the quote from this article. So um, what do you think of Adobe getting in the space, and what do you think of sort of tools, companies in general?
0: Well, I mean, tools companies are, are, are often, you know, great investments. A lot of, you know, investing in things that are like digital picks and shovels or infrastructure plays. Adobe obviously has, has been one of those for many years. I think, you know, for people who aren't maybe in the software investing world and don't, you know, just know of Adobe as a consumer, people don't realize just how big and impressive of a company, you know, a, Adobe really is. Um, and I, I think they highlighted in the article 75% of the fortune 500, you know, uses their um, Adobe experience cloud tool set, which is obviously pretty remarkable. So my, my hot take here is that I think Adobe is going to buy Unity. Um, wow. To get bigger into this space. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, Adobe's think of over a hundred billion company and, you know, Unity is around 20. So the size kind of makes sense and. They just have a really good, you know, enterprise sales force. They could sell into, you know, they're both B2B software companies. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously just my tinfoil hat, you know, do the music, but that's my, hot take.
1: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, that is a, that is a very hot take. And I will say, uh, you know, this article again, I'll, I'll try and describe for those of you who are listening, um, this is how Adobe looks at sort of the metaverse stack. So there's devices at the top, then experience engines below that, then orchestration, then creative ecosystem, and then infrastructure at the bottom. Like I, what I love about your hot take is when I look at this, I go, wait a second. Like Adobe has infrastructure, creative ecosystem. I could argue even orchestration, but the experience engine, which is something like a unity, you know, that's potentially where they buy, where they make a big splash. Um, I could see that. What I didn't realize, and it came out in this article that like, obviously Adobe supports all of the 3d standards that people use today, but you know, Adobe has has said that games like Fortnite, Halo, final fantasy and flight simulator are all created with their tools, substance 3d in this case. And, um, their tools have driven the content. It says for big AR experiences like the Smithsonian and Amazon. Um, I, I am extremely bullish on this, right? Like someone's going to have to create and power, like the creators who are going to make the metaverse happen and all of the content that goes in it, all of the stuff that goes in it Uh, Adobe probably better positioned than anyone else. I love that how they're thinking about it in a very smart way Uh, you know, in terms of sort of what the stack looks like. I think they know exactly where they play and what their strengths are. Um, I even love some of the language, right? Like in their announcements where, they know they're saying like brands need to get on board with this, right. They need to be thinking about making content around these things. Um, And, and, and so uh, I I don't know, like I'm going, Adobe seems to get it. Adobe has dominated in the video world, right? Like usually when there's a huge shift, this is the opportunity for competitors to come in and, you know, take market share or, Or encroach on the big guy who's been sort of dominant for so many years? I mean, Adobe Premiere, how many YouTubers on the planet use Adobe Premiere? Um, has, Has Adobe potentially already run away with the metaverse tools, like with the Web3 tools already, just in how far along they are in terms of thinking and how far along they are on product?
0: I guess it's probably early to say, but the fact that they already have their hooks into all these brands, all these brands are already using them for call it web two development, it stands the reason that if Adobe has a good product set for Web three, which it seems like clearly they're forward thinking and they're they're in a, they're sort of disrupting themselves, it it makes sense that these brands would go with what they know. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're they are definitely incredibly well positioned
1: and you know what else plays to their hand, but also actually I think plays to the hand of the industry as a whole is, um, the, they sell a subscription. That's like an all in, like an all or nothing for the most part subscription, right? Like you subscribe to Adobe creative cloud, you get everything, right? You get audition, you get Premiere, you get Photoshop, you get Lightroom, you get the whole suite. And what I found personally is I subscribe for like one thing or maybe two things. And then every so often, like I'll mess around, I'll open something and I'll mess around with a, you know, one of their products that maybe I haven't used before, you know, to get my creative juices going or to to flex that creative muscle by, I think if they end up bundling all of this in that same subscription, right, we could end up seeing, I think a huge explosion of metaverse 3d content, right. Stuff that's built, call it for AR and VR experiences just naturally, right? Someone who's already a creative person who's working with Premiere may open that up and go, wait a second, like, uh, this is cool. Like, let me experiment. Let me play with this. And it puts the tools in the hands of the people who are most likely to be building that next generation of content.
0: 100% agreed.
1: Um, cool. I mean, that's the, the Adobe story is an interesting one. I, I, I love that take though on unity. I think that is, that's spicy. I I hope you put that out out on Twitter. You know, Uh, I
0: did, you know, at at Jeff Cohen
1: 23. There you go. If you want to follow the juice and, I mean, obviously, you you know, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: that wraps up this week's podcast guys. Don't forget, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, hit the follow button in whatever app you're using to listen to it or watch it. Um, Tell your friends about it. Leave a review, a rating, five stars. Uh, It helps other people to find the podcast. And uh, go subscribe to our sister podcast, a Woman, which you can find everywhere. And Business of Esports, if you you found us uh, directly, uh, Business of Esports is the same podcast, but talking about the business of gaming primarily. It's a lot of fun also. Um, So go check those out. And uh, Jeff, thank you as always. Remember, guys, the future is fun. We will see you next week.
0: Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.